This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Anna alhamdulillahi na'hamaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'gfiruhu wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina wa min sayyi'ati a'malina من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمد عبده ورسوله صلوات الله والسلام عليه تسميما كثيرا أما بعد We come to the next two hadith inshallah عز وجل today in today's درس from the book 40 hadith of the da'wah and the caller, the call and the da'wah by Shaykh Ali al-Halibi, rahmatullahi ta'ala alayhi. And both of the hadith, for the most part, are talking about the same thing, and this is why we decided to combine them, because really it's repetition, and the repetition in and of itself, from what we know, from the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, goes to show the importance of something from amongst many other things. The narrative of today's hadith, the first hadith is Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. May Allah be pleased with him. He was one of the tremendous companions of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sallam. He was from Bani Makhzum. So he was from Quraysh, he was from Mecca, so he's from the Muhajireen. And he was from the tribe of Quraysh that Umar radiallahu anhu was from the same tribe. He was one of the ulama of the companions of the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa Just not a regular companion. He was one of those companions who the Nabi of Islam sallallahu alayhi wa sallam told the people, learn the Quran from four people. And one of those people he told all of the other companions. So he had over 100,000 companions during his time sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And may Allah be pleased with all of them. Over 100,000 from Hajj with him. From all of those multitudes, Abdullah ibn Umar, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, may Allah be pleased with him, was one of those companions that the Prophet said, learn the Qur'an from these four people. So he was from the ulama of the Qur'an. So the Qur'an that we have right now, preserved, saved for us, and those ayat that tell us about the preservation of the Qur'an, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, may Allah be pleased with him, fits prominently in that whole equation. So a lot could be said about his manaqib and his fadai. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, لَرِجْلُ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ مَسْعُودِ فِي If you put the shin of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, may Allah be pleased with him, in the scales. The scales in that hadith goes to show one of the asul of what the people of the sunnah believe in. Yom al-Qiyam Allah Ta'ala is going to have scales that will be presented that are going to weigh the deeds of the people, the scrolls of the people, and the actions and what the people have put forward. So he says, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, in regards to Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, his shin in the scale, Yom al will be heavier than the mountain of Uhud. So if you want to talk about the verses of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, for hadith ula haraj. 
He said in this hadith that the Prophet ﷺ drew a long line in front of the companions. He literally, physically took something and he drew a long line in the dirt while the companions were looking. And it wasn't the first time nor the only time that he did that, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in teaching his companions. He used to teach in many ways. He taught by getting on the minbar and giving a khutbah. He taught by asking questions. He taught by telling stories. He taught, sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam, by giving examples, similar tools, amthal. And one of the many ways that were from his ways of teaching was to take things where people can get the appreciations that optics that visuals gave them. He took something and he drew a long line, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he told the people, this is the path of Allah. Hadha sabilullah. This is the path of Allah. And then Abdullah bin Mas'ul, may Allah be pleased with him, said, and then he went on and he drew subsequent short lines to the right of that long line and other subsequent short lines to the left of that line. And then after doing that, he said to the people, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, وَهَذِهِ subulun mutafarriqatun, And these are paths that are divergent. This hadith has many narrations that come to us. A Shaykh Ali al-Halabi rahmatullahi ta'ala alayhi has brought us this one narration, but there are many narrations of this particular hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu alayhi wa ala alayhi wa sallam. And in that hadith he said, Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, ala ras kulli sabilin minha shaytanun yadu'u ilayha. On the head or at the head of every one of these divergent paths, there is a shaytan that is inviting people to that path, inviting people to the short divergent ways. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, may Allah be pleased with him, said after saying that, the Prophet ﷺ then took an ayat of the Qur'an to support what he was talking about, to support what he was calling to, showing that the sunnah of the Nabi of Islam wasallam, and the way of Rasulullah is to make istidlal with the Qur'an, istidlal with the authentic sunnah, we present our proofs and our evidences from the Qur'an and the Sunnah before any other issue. So he read the ayat of the Qur'an to support the long line that he drew and then the subsequent short divergent paths that he described as being paths that have a shaitan at the head of each one inviting the people to it. He says, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, reading the ayah, وَأَنَّ هَذَا سِرَاطِي مُسْتَقِيمًا فَاتَّبِعُوهُ وَلَا تَتَّبِعُوا السُّبَلَ فَتَفَرَّقَ بِكُمْ عَنْ سَبِيلِهِ Allah said to the Rasul in this ayah of the Qur'an, tell them, and verily, this is my path. Allah says, and verily, this is my path. And my path is mustaqim. So therefore, Follow it and don't take the divergent paths. And they would take you away. All of these paths, they would take you away from his sabil, this straight path. This is the hadith that the Prophet shared with us. This is the hadith that is Shaykh Ali al-Halabi rahmatullahi ta'ala alayhi is bringing to us 
as a reminder for the people who are giving dawah and the people who the dawah is being given to. Our whole ummah, our whole community, especially the students from amongst you, the brothers and sisters who are engaging in reading about the Quran and reading about the Sunnah and being engaged in the dawah, knowing your religion. This is one of those premier ahadith from the Sunnah of the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sallam. The hadith, ikhwani, Allah can be said concerning the hadith itself is that the Prophet sallallahu as I mentioned, used to be diversified in giving dawah. We have to make our dawah transferable and we have to also make our dawah in a way that the people in our host communities can understand it. And also, we have to diversify in the dawah. You can't always give dawah in one particular way. Prophet Muhammad didn't do that, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. In the Quran and Surah Nuh, the first Rasul that Allah Azawajal sent to Bani Adam, Allah Ta'ala mentioned that Nuh said, Oh my Lord, I gave dawah and I called my people during the nighttime and during the daytime. And then he went on to say later in that particular surah, Thumma inni, and then verily I da'awtuhum jihara, Thumma inni asrat Oh my Lord, I called my people and I called them out in public. I publicized my dawah. And I called them and I called them privately. So that's a clear indication. The first Rasul from the messengers in Al-Islam, Nuh alayhi salatu salam, goes to show he called his people in the open, in secret, out loud, quietly, he sat with them individually, sat with them in groups, as the Prophet used to do, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So when it comes to the majal of a dawah, it's not for the imam or the sheikh of the masjid, that he is the one who has all of the answers when it comes to a dawah of Allah. They are brothers, people we know. They are giving prolific and beneficial dawah to Allah azawajal, to people who are not Muslims, Christians, and other than that. We know them in the different cities of America. Like that brother that I will bring your attention to, Ikhwani, and Allah Ta'ala knows his secrets best. La uzaki awallahi ahada. The brother is Sheikh Uthman Farooq. He's giving dawah there in San Diego to non-Muslims on the street in a way that maybe other people can't give the dawah. So the dawah has to be given in the way of diversity. One single person can't be responsible of handling everything. And this is what we see from the Prophet ﷺ. Teaching the people by drawing lines where, again, they can physically see what he's doing. He would ask them questions. Who knows what the answer to this question is? He ﷺ would physically show them how to make the salat. So while they're watching him from the masjid, and he's giving his salat on the minbar. He's teaching them a dawah in that particular way. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. In other ways, he would turn his back and give his back to people to let them know, I'm not pleased with this thing. And he's teaching in that kind of a way. Sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sallam taslim kathira. So as it relates to the hadith, the Nabi of Islam, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, made a long line. And he called that line the Sirat of Allah, the Sabil of Allah subhanahu 
wa ta'ala. That line has many characteristics. From the characteristics from this hadith and the Quran is that it's one. It's not multiple lines. So the idea and the concept that some liberal, uneducated, lost, confused Muslims have that all of the spokes to the will lead to the sinner and we should hold hands and we sing songs, this is not correct. The sirat of Allah and the sabil of Allah, when we make salat, ihdina sirat al-mustaqim, we're not talking about multiple divergent paths. We're talking about the sirat, that one of the primary characteristics of it is it is one and it is by itself. As the Prophet said in this particular hadith, so it becomes a responsibility of the Muslim to take the sirat and to understand it's not my obligation and it's not my responsibility. It's not your obligation nor is it your responsibility that any of us, we arrive to the victory for al-Islam in our ummah. That's not our job. Allah, in no ayat of the Quran, made that my job. Allah made it my responsibility to take the sirat al-mustaqeen and to tread on that path. If I arrive, when, before, after, al-Islam is victorious, that's not my job. That's not my responsibility. I have to get on the path. Allah Ta'ala mentioned in the Quran, فَاسْتَمْسِكْ بِالَّذِي أُوْحِيَا إِلَيْكَ إِنَّكَ عَلَى صِرَاطِ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ الْاسْتِمْسَاكِ Hold on to what was revealed to you. For verily you are the sirat al-mustaqim. So the command is, فَاسْتَمْسِكْ بِالَّذِي أُوْحِيَا إِلَيْكَ Hold on to what was revealed to you. Ya Muhammad and the people of your community. And the Prophet ﷺ told us, and many of these ahadith are going to come in this particular book that we're dealing with because all of this is intertwined. It goes to show the understanding, the insight, and the khibrah or the experience that Shaykh Ali al-Harabi, he had when it came to Dawud Allah, rahmatullahi ta'ala alayhi. So that hadith is that the Prophet said, in supporting this, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, verily I have left you people two things, you will never go astray as long as you hold on to them, my book, the book of Allah and my sunnah. So that's the job and that's the responsibility for the Muslim as it relates to this particular hadith and what it's showing us. That this hadith shows that it's your job and my job. This is why we are opposed to those brothers, sisters, who overindulge and overengage in political Islam to the degree where they can't understand and they can't see that there is a disjoint between those emotions that are overboard and encouraging our community, especially our youth, to do things that it's not time, this is not the circumstances. Those overboard emotions are a problem. They are a problem. Our job is to take the path. And at this particular time, as it has happened throughout the years of Al-Islam, the Muslims were in a state of weakness. They were in countries and in a situation where it was not like it was during the time of the Prophet wasallam, especially during his latter years when Al-Islam started to prevail and to take over the environment in which he was in. This hadith is telling us 
get on the path and just do the right thing. Get on the path and just continue to go on the path and don't go to the right and don't go to the left. The Prophet ﷺ mentioned in the hadith Ikhwani concerning those short lines that represented divergent paths. He والسلام, in describing that to us, it clearly is indicate, it indicates to us that those paths are the paths of, as we mentioned before, Shubahat and Shahawat. A shaitan is calling people and inviting people. Get off the Sirat al-Mustaqim that you get up every day early in the morning at Fajr time and you make this prayer every day and then at four other subsequent times during the course of the day asking Allah with ikhlas inshallah guide you to the Sirat al-Mustaqim. Those divergent paths say no, come this way to the way of shahwat, the desires. And he mentioned sallallahu alayhi wa sallam huffat and nar bishahawat. The hellfire has been surrounded with and by desires. So from the desires is having money, making money, searching for money. From the desires is getting the individual who just wants to satisfy himself, his low base desires. From the desires of shahawat is the culture and the role that the culture plays in people's lives in terms of practicing the deen, learning the deen, being upright, the drama, the problems that people have to suffer from as a result of the culture. That's from the shahawat, that people want to practice the culture because in the culture is party time, in the culture is music, in the culture is that which goes against the religion. Those are the divergent paths so the person who was trying to be on al-Islam and have al-istiqamah, he has to understand, avoid the, the, the divergent paths. Those, birth, those paths are a problem. And from them, the shubahat, especially during this time. The shubahat, again, being those issues that are not clear, they're not known, they're ambiguous. Al-Islam rejects the call, the call to liberalism as it is understood and applied and practiced by many of the people today. Al-Islam is diametrically opposed to progressive thinking if it means progressive is do what you want to do. We're smart right now. Let's throw away what happened 1,400 years ago and discard it and describe it as being medieval and is problematic. No, Al-Islam is against all of that. And those are the divergent paths, that path of... Now, Muslims coming to an individual and making things seem alluring to you. That's the whole thing about shubahat. A shaitan makes shubahat and shahwat seem alluring. That individual who he seizes deeds and they have been made to look beautified to him. He's really impressed with his deeds. He sees them as being hasana. And Allah Ta'ala guides whoever he wants to guide and he misguides whoever he wants to misguide. So his deeds were made to appear alluring to him, the shubahat and the shahawat. Those are the divergent paths that have to be avoided. One of the greatest imams in al-Islam is the great imam, al-imam al-Uzai, who told the people, look, when you look at the people who are 
treading on their journeys and their paths. He said, when you look and you see the few people who are padded, who are treading on the path of al-istiqamah and what is correct in the path of al-sunnah, the way of the Salaf, he said, don't be faint-hearted as a result of the few people who are doing it. And then when you look at the other paths, the diversion paths, and you see the great multitude of people who are traversing upon those paths, don't become fooled. Don't become tricked. No. It's your job. Get on the path and just continue to move on the path. In the hadith of Abdullah bin Mas'ud, may Allah be pleased with him, another important thing that should be mentioned here in the journey of giving dawah, accepting dawah, being people who are receiving dawah, trying to give dawah, learning about our religion, learning about the dawah. This hadith points to something really important, and that is as well, the Prophet ﷺ, he said that on the head of each one of those divergent paths, there is a shaitan that is calling the people and inviting the people to that path. The question that could present itself is, is that a shaitan meaning the shaitan, al-rajim, iblis? Or is it talking about the shaitan of the ants, the human shaitan? The hadith includes both of them. The hadith includes both of them. You cannot negate one of the two categories without a delil. Allah Ta'ala mentioned in the Quran, وَكَذَٰلِكَ جَعَلْنَا لِكُلِّ نَبِيًّا عَدُوًّا شَيَاطِينَ الْإِنسِ وَالْجِنِّ يُوحِي بَعْضُهُ مِنَ بَعْضٍ زُخْرُ فِي الْقَوْلِ غُرُورًا We have made for every Nabi that went before an enemy. We made for every Nabi that went before an enemy. And as a result of that, when that Nabi called to his path, the Sarat Mustaqim during his time. Sometimes three people will believe, four people, five, ten people will believe, and sometimes none will believe. One, two will believe, three, sometimes none will believe. So there's nothing wrong with the path. There's nothing wrong with the Sirat that the Nabi was upon. It's the people. So the ayat said, we made for every Nabi, every Nabi, every messenger that came, we made an enemy for him. There was an enemy who presented himself to the dawah of that messenger. And that enemy was from the shayateen of mankind or the shayateen from the jinn or both. And they would remind each other and exalt each other with beautiful speech. Oh, look how many numbers we are. Look how few they are. Look how many people follow me. Look how many people don't follow you. And so forth. And just kalam. Zuhr fil qawl. Just kalam. Slogans. Empty slogans. That have nothing to do with the one who matters, which is Allah Ta'ala and what he made his religion, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the enemies that present themselves on those paths, those enemies are from the shayateen of the ins and the shayateen of the jinn. And to be honest with you, the shayateen of the ins, human shayateen, are more dangerous. Their evil, their harm is more dangerous. So the shaytan can come in the form of a family member, mother, father, husband, wife. It can come in the form of 
someone who's presenting themselves to you as a friend, a bosom buddy. The shaitan can come in the form, in these divergent paths, the form of some madness. He's a person who claims the religion and knowledge of the religion. And what he's calling to is not consistent with the two signposts that the Prophet brought, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam al-kitab, and the sunnah, and the sunnah. And in addition to that, the third point and the third issue. And that is what the second hadith is about. And the second hadith, which is also connected to the first and brings the third signpost, is the hadith of the tremendous companion, Anas ibn Malik. May Allah be pleased with him. He said that the Prophet says, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Taftariqu hadil ummah ala thalathin wa sabi'ina firqatin. Kulluha finnar illa wahida. This ummah, this community of mine, is going to separate and split up and divide into 73 different groups, divergent paths, 73 different groups because of the shayateen, of the ins and the jinn, from the divergent paths, calling to the people. Shubahat, shahawat, lack of knowledge, drama, all kind of issues. Not taking the kitab and the sunnah, but taking from the dawah of the callers who are calling to the hellfire. He said all 73 of those groups will be in the hellfire except one. Which group won't be in the hellfire? Ya Rasulullah. The Prophet said, The one that won't be in the hellfire. Ummatul Islam, brothers and sisters. The Prophet said, وسلم, the one that won't be in the hellfire is the one that I is there doing what I'm doing today and my companions. Their aqidah is the same as mine with no additions and no subtractions. Their salat is the same as mine with no additions and no subtractions to the reality and the hay'ah and the form and the application of that prayer. Their hajj is the same as mine. And my companions, simple, problem and the solution. All of them will be in the hellfire except one. Which one out of those 73 won't be in the hellfire? The one that's doing what I'm doing today and my companions. So now, with all of these shubahat and all of the shahawat, especially for the young brothers and sisters, you're hearing all of these things. You have to stay focused. We have to stay focused as Muslims to this hadith right now. Divergent paths, all of this stuff's going on. All I want to know is how did the companions believe it? How did the companions conceive it? How did the companions practice it? So this hadith is the hadith of Anas ibn Malik. May Allah be pleased with him. Anas ibn Malik was one of the six companions who memorized the Majority of the ahadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He was from the Ansar. And he was from the Khazraj tribe of the Ansar. He was the Khadim of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He used to take care of him. And this is why Anas ibn Malik was one of the most qualified people to tell us about the intimate details and realities of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He was the son of none other than Umm Sulaim and his father Malik 
was a tremendous personality in Jahiliya in Al-Medina. He was the one who took care of the secret of the Nabi, sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam. And he has a lot of virtues. But he tells us in this hadith the reality of what happened to Bani Israel and what has happened to our community. And that is that the Jews and the Christians broke up into many sects. 71 for the Jews, 72 for the Christians. And that this ummah is going to break up into 73 sects. All of the sects are going to be in the hellfire except one. Allah described the non-Muslims in the Quran and he said, بَأْسَهُمْ بَيْنَهُمْ شَدِيدٌ The infighting, the fighting that these sects have with each other from the respective groups and religions. The Yahud, they fought against each other and they were supposed to be tribes that were supposed to be united. The Nasara, they were supposed to be together but when they fell into schisms and schisms the fighting between them was serious. Same thing with our religion. There are those people who, he doesn't like you, can't stand you, doesn't want to give you salams, doesn't want to know you, has negative feelings towards you because you're not from his group. And the group that he's on is a group that is taken from the divergent path and he doesn't even realize it. So this is what happened to them. And this is what happened to us, and this is what is happening to us. So the hadith of the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is on the table today in terms of the hadith of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud and the hadith of Anas ibn Malik. May Allah be pleased with them. The first hadith leads to ikhtilaf. It leads to quarreling and infighting and being disunited and divided and hatred. And so forth and so on, although Allah has commanded us, Hold on to the rope of Allah all together, collectively, and don't be divided amongst yourselves. The Prophet in the authentic hadith told us, the Quran is the rope of Allah. It extends from the heavens to the earth. Hold on to it. Hold on to it. This is what we wanted to present today. And we can say to you that in regards to the first hadith, there are a lot of weak hadith that are connected to it that we can bring those narrations to support more of that first hadith about the divergent paths. But we're not going to do that because they're weak hadith. And we're not, we're not the people who rely on weak hadith. That's from the divergent paths. And lastly, I would like to say... Uh, some time ago, it was years ago, I made mention of an issue with uh, our brother Mufti Mink. And I talked about a sheikh, Wasiullah Abbas. And in presenting that first talk that I had given, I hadn't listened to it in a long time. It was brought to my attention. I made a statement and a comment that if someone called the Mufti, then the Mufti is the captive of the one who's calling him. So if someone calls Sheikh Wasilla Abbas and they said to the Sheikh, Mufti Mink did this, Mufti Mink did that, then the Sheikh would give his speech based upon the caller. And someone can understand understand from that who heard that that I'm saying that's what happened. I want to make it clear that that's not what happened. That would be a lie and that would be oppression on a Sheikh Wasilla Abbas and in no way, shape or form 
Will we be of those people who are trying to disrespect scholars in this religion? That is one of the divergent paths that lead people astray. That when you disconnect yourself from knowledge and the possessors and the inheritors of knowledge, that's a path that a shaitan is at the head of the path. We're not ulama, we're the students of these ulama. So I want to make it very clear, unequivocally, inshallah, a sheikh will see Allah Abbas looked into the issue of Brother Mufti Mink, gave his opinion based upon what he understood and what he investigated. It wasn't an issue of people calling him up. That's not what he did. That's not what happened. I don't want to be guilty of that oppression. I don't want to be guilty of that uh, untruth against the sheikh. The sheikh. And Allah's a'la and a'lam hadha wa sallallahu wa sallam wa barak ala nabiyyina wa ala alihi wa ashabi ajma'in wa salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org.